Hello and good morning to everyone at St Saviour's. Um, this morning we will be reading from Luke chapter 19 verses 29 to 46. Uh, feel free to grab your Bible or your phone and read along with me. So it reads in verse 29. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as they came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all you people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognise it when God visited you. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad to be with you on this Palm Sunday morning for our service from St Saviour's. Actually, it's the previous Wednesday that I'm recording this because of the strange times we live in. It's a lovely sunny day. Our garden is full of daffodils and it's difficult really to just grasp that we are living through very strange and very difficult times. So as I speak to you this morning, I do have in mind the struggles that many of us have. Sue and I are living in self-isolation. I'm, as someone over 70, uh, particularly vulnerable, but actually it's quite a straightforward business for us at this time. But others are facing the loss of income, the loss of jobs, real anxiety about the future, and perhaps sickness. And there may be, amongst those of you who are listening this morning, people who have lost someone in your circle. So we bear all those things in mind uh, as we gather this morning and know that you are all held in my affection and prayer. My name is Andy Wheeler. Um, some of you will remember me from uh, some good number of years at St Saviour's. Uh, I'm now trying to be retired and I'm working at St Mary's Church in Quarry Street. Today is Palm Sunday and we begin on this day a journey. It's in a way the central journey, the central story that the Christian faith tells. And it will carry us from today 
through what we call Holy Week, through to Good Friday when we remember the death of Christ on the cross, and through to the most triumphant day in human history, uh, Easter Sunday, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's an incredible story, and it's one that we are accustomed to doing together. We are accustomed to meeting frequently during this time to remember these great and significant events. And what is strange about this time is that we are not able to do that, especially Easter Sunday will be very strange as it is our great day of gathering to celebrate the victory of Christ and we won't be together. It will be a strange day. So there are two stories running alongside each other in our our minds and our experience at this time. There is the unfolding destructive story of the the coronavirus. There is also this central story of the Christian faith. And I suppose my question this morning and what I would like to just tease open with you is do they relate? Do they connect? Does the central Christian story connect with the journey we are on as a nation and as a worldwide human family at this time? So, well, let's dig into that and see see how we do. Many of you will be very familiar with the story of Palm Sunday. Others may be less familiar. So let me just touch on it a little bit. This is a crucial turning point, a crucial moment of decision and choice in the story of Jesus. Some weeks beforehand, he had chosen to leave uh, his ministry in Galilee and other parts and to journey purposefully to Jerusalem for a confrontation, for a a challenging of, of the systems. And on Palm Sunday, he reaches the climax of that journey and begins his entry into Jerusalem. He is Israel's true king and he is coming to his capital city. But this is not a coup, this is not a a political enterprise. There is something much deeper and more profound going on. The authorities in Jerusalem maybe did see it as uh, a coup in the making and were out to crush it. But Jesus is doing something far more profound and he is bringing God's kingdom into the picture and is seeking to demonstrate that in everything he does. It's a kingdom not characterized by violence and oppression, by power, by ambition, by self-seeking. It's a kingdom characterized by God's initiative and the demonstration of God's love and sacrificial love, his grace, his generosity and mercy. And Christ is the embodiment of that in, the hum- in human history and in the human story. And so a strange collision is in the making, and it is one that will lead to his rejection and his death and his vindication as three days later in an event unique in human history, uh, beyond human comprehension, God raised him from the dead and his story of planting and extending his kingdom in the world was to go forward through us, through his church. It's an extraordinary story. And this morning, I want to look at one or two aspects of that story briefly um, and 
two aspects in particular that we don't commonly look at. The three aspects I want to look at are these. First of all, I want to look at the uh, beginning of the story and that strangely extended account of how Jesus locates a donkey for his journey. Now, the donkey was very significant in that he was reenacting and fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy that said that Israel's true king would come not on a war horse and not with violence and not with troops, but would come humbly, simply and in peace, riding a donkey. So the selection of the donkey is really important. But there is a phrase that's used there a couple of times. I've never quite known whether we're supposed to make much of it or, or not. And it's the phrase, uh, the, lo- the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of this donkey, uh, as uh, the disciples uh, ask for its release uh, for Jesus' purpose. Uh, and I remember as a child uh, a sermon which uh, affected me very deeply, uh, where the, the central theme was that uh, Jesus needs all of us, uh, just as on that occasion he needed the donkey The master needs you as well. I'm not quite sure whether that's Luke's intention as he tells the story here, but it's certainly been read that way down Christian history. And so at this time, as we try to connect these two stories, I would just want to say the master needs you. He needs you to step into the story. The story of salvation is the work of Christ alone. We don't contribute to our salvation. We don't contribute to Uh, the gift of God's grace to us, but we are kindly and gently invited into the demonstration and the realisation of that story. And so we see it at this time in our nation. We see people volunteering and offering themselves, taking great risks with their lives. We see people being generous and gracious, and we want to affirm that and bless that and say, this is part of God's purpose for his world. And we are invited as well. I suppose Sue and I and I feel a bit laid aside here in our self-isolation, but we are also contributing by our isolation to the uh, healing of the nation. And in prayer and in our encouragement and in the, the uh, work we do with various people uh, remotely, uh, we, we trust that we are serving God's kingdom. And you as well, I invite you to play your part in uh, generous self-giving at this time. And it's a contribution to the coming of God's kingdom amongst us. The other two parts of this story that I want to uh, underline again briefly uh, are perhaps not often spelled out uh, as preachers examine this story. The first is the moment going down the Mount of Olives where Jesus pauses and uh, we are told he weeps over the city. And the second one is when he comes to the temple. So let's take the first one of those, first of all. It's a very ambiguous story, this. People are divided in their attitudes. The authorities are suspicious and fearful. Jesus has a clear sense of the journey he is making and the challenge he is offering to the authorities. The crowds are expecting something different. They are expecting deliverance. Maybe they are ambiguous about their attitude to this preacher man from from Galilee. Uh, And this whole situation is ambiguous and fraught and tense. 
And Jesus at this point is overwhelmed as he looks over the city. He sees the glories of that city. He sees the glories of the temple that is being uh, constructed uh, at that time. Uh, people appeal to him to admire the, the buildings. He sees its glory and its splendor, but he knows its rottenness. And he knows that at its core is not the kingdom that God builds. It is not the kingdom that he himself has come to inaugurate uh, and uh, develop. It is rotten to the core. And I say this somewhat reluctantly and with caution, but we need to see that the coronavirus crisis in our world reveals to us the fragility of our global systems, reveals to us what really drives them and reveals to us how God's kingdom is about different things. So I say that as we journey towards Easter, let's also pause with Jesus to weep over the city, to weep over our civilizations and our societies and our uh, immense achievements and the glories of uh, the world in which we live, the extraordinary technology which even now uh, we are using in this, in this service. Let's reflect on what fragility, frailty and uh, insubstantial character is revealed uh, by this pandemic. Let us weep over the city. And the final one is about the temple. Jesus enters Jerusalem and uh, he heads for its centerpiece. He heads for the tourist center of Jerusalem. He heads for its religious center. It's like a, a, a tourist coming to London and seeking out St. Paul's Cathedral or Westminster Abbey as the religious centre and perhaps going to offer a, a formal prayer in the religious centre. The problem is that Jesus knows that it has lost the plot and that the temple, which had been established originally as a focus of God's presence amongst his people, had become not a place of prayer and worship and of offering of oneself to God, but have become a pace of ambition and self-glorification, that the building itself had become an, an end in itself, and that the temple had ceased to be what in God's purpose it was there to be. In fact, as Jesus says in other places, he, he has a sense that he himself is the new location of God's presence in, the, in human history. Destroy this temple, he said, referring to himself, uh, and I will build it again in three days. So Jesus comes to the, the temple and uh, he causes a sensation. He overthrows the tables where money changers turn uh, everyone's coinage into the special coinage required by the temple. We understand that this was in the court of the Gentiles where the wider world were invited to come not further into the, the holy places, but into this court alone. And Jesus puts his finger on what is wrong with religion in his day. This has become a den of thieves. It's become a place where people are self-seeking. It's, it's become a place where people are seeking their own ends. My house, he says, speaking uh, 
on behalf of God himself should be a house of prayer. And in Mark's account, the full Old Testament quotation is given, this should be a house of prayer for all nations, uh, referring there to the promise to Abraham, that through Abraham and through his descendants, through the the Jewish people, uh, God would bless all the nations of the world. And Jesus is saying, this place no longer serves that purpose. It is no longer a place of prayer. It is no longer a place where people seek God's voice and hear his word and pray for their world. And it is no longer a place of welcome to all. It's a damning condemnation. And so these two short stories in our account today call us back to essentials at this time of crisis in our nation. Will we see beyond the facades of achievement and prosperity uh, uh, that the facades that are beginning to crumble in our world? Will we weep over the city? And secondly, will we in our churches, in our places of faith, our religious centres, will we actually come back to that place where we offer a place of prayer, a place where the voice of God and the word of God is heard and where all are welcome. I want to close with a prayer. And this prayer was provided by the Church of England for this time. So let us pray together. Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy. Sustain and support the anxious. Be with those who care for the sick and lift up all who are brought low, that we may find comfort, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.